awkwardness and distance in the cross-cultural merging of families, how to lessen and fill in the gaps. Today's episode jumps into the often awkward dance that comes with merging two families from different cultural backgrounds. Through personal stories, examples, and practical advice, we explore how to bring these different worlds together to create a bit more harmony within your families. Hey, dear listeners, welcome back to Married to India, your go-to podcast for exploring the vivid colors and challenges of being in a cross-cultural relationship. I'm your host, Amy Rigetti, and today's topic is going to be something that many of you have asked about, the awkwardness and distance in cross-cultural merging of families. Trust me, you're not alone in feeling like you're stuck in an episode of a comedy drama series when families meet. But oh boy, where do I start? Between language barriers, differing traditions, and just the way that you handle household chores, it can be a cultural shock within itself. And take my situation, for example. At first, my family was puzzled by the Indian custom of eating with your hands. And on the other side, my in-laws were perplexed by the American love for casseroles and turkey dinners and all the mixing of mashed potatoes, stewed tomatoes, tomato gravy, and all those yummies. Or like house cleaning expectations for example. I remember the first time my mother-in-law came over from India and um, a, a day or so had gone by and she's wondering like why the bathrooms haven't been cleaned. Uh, Srinu really didn't give her a lot of information about the fact that we do not have house cleaners. You know, we're a young couple, can't afford any of that stuff. Even now, you know, we've tried to hire house cleaners and it's been to no avail. I've brought house cleaners in and literally they've quit or I've had to let them go because my mother-in-law is just so set in her ways. Like for example, my mother-in-law, as people are cleaning the house, she will not hesitate to start moving furniture (laughs) because this is what she does in India. She will yell at people in a, you know, I don't know, kind or not so kind way that they're not pushing the mop hard enough. And so I feel like these are things my mother-in-law, when she came over, it was like, what? You clean your own bathrooms? And I had asked her, I said, you know, I clean the bathrooms. And she was like, so appalled. She was like, no, 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 no bring somebody else to clean the bathrooms. And I said, no, I said, if you want your bathroom cleaned, either I'm cleaning it or you're cleaning it. And this was just appalling to her. But, you know, even in India, right, there's just a different living situation. So every morning, we know the practice there. When we get up, we, you know, brush our teeth and we jump in the shower. And then there's like this whole slew of things that happen. Like my mother-in-law, they change their sheets in India every single day. They sweep the floors in India two, three times a day. My mother-in-law has, you know, a maid servant for a lesser of the better words that comes in and they clean in the mornings and they sweep and then we eat lunch and they sweep and they come back in after we have eaten lunch and they sweep. And there's just a lot more assistance because, you know, help in India is a lot cheaper. So these were some of those moments where it was like, where do we find a happy medium that isn't offensive to the other? So again, depending on where you are in this process, uh, this is something to just keep in mind. It's not that people don't want to clean their bathrooms. This is news to her. So in our case, one glaring gap was the lack of common shared experiences. For example, my family loves baking, photography, woodworking, DIY projects. You know, in India, there are 
not many homes that have ovens for baking. That's not typically a process that is done in India. If you want something to that effect, you usually just go out and purchase it. Whereas my in-laws have had very structured and disciplined mindset with regards to house, home, and roles that are played. And we have to find a middle ground, a bridge, all of that. Even still, my parents have certain things that they pick up on that are absolutely harmless, but might be perceived as offensive in some way. Like, for example, my father-in-law used to refer to the kids when he was talking to them like, oh, the boy, the boy, the boy. And this thing really bothered. It, it was like that that poking Every time my mom heard it, that was like, why can't he just refer to so-and-so as his name? And I said, Mom, you know, he really doesn't mean anything by that. It's just, that's just how it's done there. It's it's not in, a, in any negative way. But that was one of the examples that, you know, my mom just couldn't let go of. She was like, that just really, it bothers me. And I note it, you know, that was what I told her, note it. And I just kind of tried to move past that without bringing any, you know, one thing that I've also noticed is the minute that you go and you put a situation out to another person that so-and-so said, even though you're trying to do good for that person, it can often come off as offensive to the person receiving that information and make them pass judgment on the person you're speaking on behalf of. So I would caution to be very careful when you approach these things with family. I definitely wouldn't put any blame or any name to anything. Just bring it up as a situation if you want to address it, but don't, I wouldn't stick any names to it because you just want to avoid that too early on in relationships or marriages where people just start judging the other person without any direct contact because of a conversation that maybe you perhaps brought up. I have this big issue, you know, I'm sure all the people listening to my podcast are very well aware of this 90 day fiance. And I will honestly admit that Srinu and I did not meet in that situation. So I never really experienced the 90 day situation. But Srinu came here on a H1B visa. So he was working when he came here. He wasn't coming here for any other intentions, but to work and take care of himself and visit his family. He didn't have the rest figured out. So us meeting was by chance. And it just so happens that this all worked out. I remember when we had decided that we were going to get married, he was still on an H-1B and he was very adamant that he was not going to get his status in the U.S. changed based on our marriage. That was like a big thing. It wasn't until actually a few years into our marriage that I was like, why are you doing this? Like, this is so silly. Just who cares? You know, it's going to be quicker, especially after 9-11 happened. So my question to a lot of people who aren't open to figuring out practical ways to close this gap, why wouldn't you want to close this gap? You know, why would you marry into this situation in the first place so selfishly if you aren't in it to put work into it? Like this, in addition to like marriage just in general, these relationships require so much more vigilance and being attentive to them and just nurturing. I think I went into my marriage not even thinking about all these things, but very quickly realized that if I didn't want weird things to happen during Christmas, then I was going to have to start making people aware of processes and kind of filling in these gaps. I often feel even at weddings, you know, I I kind of feel obligated as someone who is cross-culturally married when I see aunts and uncles, you know, going to the buffet line and they're like, oh, 
you know, they have this look on their face as if, I wouldn't say it's disgust, but it's almost like I can't eat anything here. And my thought process is, why can't you eat anything here? There's lots of stuff you eat in this food every single day, just because it's made differently doesn't make it any other way. And so I kind of feel myself jumping in there and being like, hey, and you know, this is this. And then they'll be like, yeah, we can't do spicy. And I'll just tell them, well, avoid these dishes, you know, and you'll be good. And part of that is going to allow family members to have good first impressions on even the cultural cuisine. So guys, just keep this in mind. Unfortunately, a lot of us enter into these situations where our families are not presented with opportunities to get to know other cultures. So it's our job to introduce this. When I watch this 90 day and I see people like Jenny and I see Kimberly, I just get so frustrated because right now, Serena will tell you, my biggest pet peeve is Kimberly. Like you knew, I am absolutely sure you knew before even meeting Tulisi's family that family was a big deal. The boy built his flat above his parents because family matters to him. And then you just storm in there like a freaking tornado and you just blow their whole world to pieces. Well, if that was even something you were not going to be receptive to, right? And if you were going to be bothered by the language barrier, then you should have never agreed to this boy spending his money to build a flat above his parents' apartment and then make their lives hell. Because that is what she is doing. And every time I see it, I try to remind myself that TV sugarcoats things, but I feel for that family. You know, I sit there and I don't know whether the program itself pushed the name TJ or if that's something they've just adapted as a family. I've heard his brother mention TJ, but what the hell? What Like, why are we doing this to people? If somebody just decided to call me A instead of Amy, I'd be like, my name's Amy. You know, we just need to learn to be respectful of these things. If TJ or Tulisvi made his name that way, that's one thing. But it's very hard for me to believe that was just the shortcut he decided to take. I think that watching those episodes and seeing that this episode is for her. Like she needs to understand she chose to enter their world. She chose to move into their world. She's got a lot more adapting and educating to do with that family than they do for her. And forgive me if you think that I'm wrong, but this is just the way that I see it. If they came here, I do believe it would be the other other way around. They they should try harder because they came to her world. They interrupted things here and it's their responsibility to try harder. You know, I could go on and on about this and I don't want to turn it into a tangent, but I just tell people, just remember that when you enter into something like this, you entered into it because you guys just love so deeply. And I hope that you guys will just take that love that you have for each other and just keep investing it and investing it and investing it until by the end of this, you guys are so well invested that you are rich in the bounds of your love. And this family just becomes better on both sides because of it. So here's something that worked wonders for us, shared activities. I wrote my in-laws into doing some DIY stuff and turned it into a little bit of a business venture with our uh, Mad Pickle. Now, we're not just bonding, but we're also brainstorming about business together. And finding common ground can be as simple as that. Also, we realized that open communication was key. So we started having regular video calls to update each other on our lives, share news, and even discuss favorite shows that are on TV or situations that are going on. One of the hardest things when we lost my father-in-law was he was kind of 
our nightcap, but he was also our morning cup of tea. You know, we would call and talk to them, whether it was on speaker or we were on these video calls. And so that's probably one of the things I miss the most. And I hope that as you guys build your relationships and nurture your relationships, you come to miss those things too when you don't have them. So don't take those things for granted. We These are just small little things that could make a big difference. You know, it's very easy for us to be in cross-cultural relationships and really just rely on your significant other to communicate to their family. And I can tell you that if you do not somehow cultural, you know, language gaps, whatever it is, if you do not find a way to open that communication up for yourself, it's going to cause more trauma in your family, more drama in your family, and more things that you need to add to the start of a new relationship or marriage. So just think about these things. Um, sometimes it's just about taking and making compromises. My husband and I decided to celebrate holidays from both cultures to ensure everyone felt included. Alongside Diwali, we also make a big deal out of Thanksgiving, mixing and matching traditions to create something uniquely ourselves. So whether your husband is new to the U.S. or his family has been here for decades and he was raised here, you need to understand where the starting point is and meet them there. Embrace exactly where they are. Because even though a family has been here, I've learned this from doing our weddings, even though a family has been here for decades, it does not mean that they have conformed to being Americans. Yes, they're Americans, but they still do things their own way. And some of them do not celebrate Christmas. Some of them do not celebrate Thanksgiving. And then some of them celebrate it in a very, you know, even if it's Indian, Indian and not even cross-cultural anything, I have seen some pretty elaborate mashups of bringing in Indian food, American food, and really embracing this American holiday. Same goes for Christmas. Not all Americans celebrate Christmas because they are Christians. They celebrate Christmas because it is a holiday. Um, not only are we off work, but it is something that we build and bond our families around. So keep these things in mind. Keep your minds open because these are really important things not to assume in any relationship. You know, one thing that I love is, you know, I get inboxed all the time now and I feel like others have shared with me such great ways that they've you know, brought their families together. And I often like, oh, gosh, I wish I had these resources early on because I would have just tried harder, done different things. But we've had people share that they're taking language classes together. We've had them plan joint family vacations. And honestly, this is why I decided on this episode, because your innovative ways to foster family closeness has it's even inspired us, guys. So do more. Do more with your families. Find things that you love. Learn what they love and mix them up so that at the same time, all of you guys are having a good time. As I wind down this relatable and deeply personal episode, I just want you guys to remember that family is more than blood. It's about love, acceptance, and a willingness to step out of your comfort zone and a willingness to step out of your comfort zone to make room for others. If you love today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and even share or tag somebody you know that could benefit from this information because I just want to be able to help others find us. Until our next cross-cultural rendezvous, this is Amy Rigetti wishing you guys fewer awkward moments and more heartfelt ones.